0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. What? I pushed the button and made it over to my seat.
1: What? You just did You just did more time. than Father John I think ever <laughs> did.
0: <laughs> Father Nathan just like, "You pushed the button to start it." And what? I went over there and followed his exact directions, clicked the mouse once, and now I'm patting myself on the back for it. Man. Now watch, this is going to record. <laughs> Something's going to go wrong with this one podcast. No.
1: There's no wood.
0: No wood. Somewhere. All right. Oh, yeah. There's studs behind the wall. There we go. There
1: we go. Yeah. No I mean, it's, it was no big deal. It's not like I resented him. You know? It's just like, that's just what I did. He got you know? the
0: footrest. You had to push the button. I, I'm
1: not. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, just listen to my pain.
0: And actually, in the old studio, uh, well, you got the window. You, you got to look out straight at the window. True. He had to look he, at me yeah. uh, falling asleep. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's okay, Father John. Don't feel
0: all upset at yourself. I got a little taste of that. There was like one podcast where I was leading it, and you were like, your eyes were starting to <laughs> shut a little bit. I'm like, now I want to listen to the old podcast, and I hear John just like <laughs> getting so pissed at you. Oh, sorry. I, I listen to the old podcast we I was supposed to say that word either. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I'm actually so I felt angry. Really- I felt really
1: bad, so I I made an ask to my parish, okay, um, Saint Joan of Arc, and I said, uh, if you could introduce yourself to me fifteen times on fifteen different occasions, <laughs> um, it'll help me remember your name. Right, and I'm up to like three to six with most of the people. Okay, and there was a family, and I was like, I was like, oh, I got this. I saw this girl like three times, and I go, she goes, uh, hi, Father. I was like, hello, Liz, and she goes, it's Amy, and I go. Beep right in front of right in front of her kids. And I was like, I'm so sorry, you know? So now you'll never forget her name though. I think it's Garrett and Amy. Okay. If they listen to the podcast, I'm sorry again. Public apology. Public apology. So I am not I am I I just I was so confident and the fact that I didn't get it, it was like so depressing. Yeah. Because the, the prospect of learning all your parishioners' names. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, but then I actually think about it, you know, like it's such an inflated number. Two thousand two hundred families at yeah. this parish. Yeah. Well, approximately, I mean, I want to say five hundred families. Five hundred families, let's say, attend mass yeah. regularly. Sunday. Yeah. Okay. And then from that five hundred, maybe uh a hundred of those families come to see you, right. like throughout the weekend. Like right. they'll just come and say hello. That's still three hundred names. Yeah, it's like okay, three hundred names. I can do this. But then when you, when it just, I just can't get it. I yeah. need to like pray to like Archbishop Shapu before he's dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. just be like,
0: teach me your statutes. Yeah, I, it's something about bishops too. I mean, I, I, my the bishop that confirmed me back when I was Roman was like. He ran into me years later, and he not only remembered my name, I mean, years later, like 10 years later, he remembered that my brother was a pilot, and he remembered my brother's name. And I, he never even met my brother, but somehow in one of the conversations during the confirmation process, and I was like, what the, like, why, Lord, do you give these gifts to some people and not to others? Because it just comes so naturally. Was that the Bishop of Albuquerque?
1: Yeah. Albert Shean Sheehan. Sheehan. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, I hope, maybe
0: that's a great gift. I mean, it's great when you're when you're called to the shepherd at that level. I mean, if you can, because you're you are. I mean, that's part of the the mourning. I think a priest goes through when he gets ordained a bishop is like you you have to mourn that you're not as it, it, being connected with the real people is not nearly as easy. Yeah. I mean, you could do it, Shep. You did it amazingly well. Yeah. But it takes a lot more effort and thinking out of the box. So I think that's one of the things that that you can say. If if I can imagine God giving those gifts to bishops. You know, to CEOs, to people like that, that seem more detached than they were, because people want to know that the chief shepherd, whether a business or the church, is like they know my name, and that that can be a huge thing. You know, whereas I mean, I, I have half of what you do, so I, I encounter 150 parishioners every Sunday. That's total. Well, no, 200 total. 200, 200 total, total, including the outreach. And do and you do you know all their names? I do now. That's great. But I've been here 11 years, so yeah. But again, in the Byzantine church, we say the first name when they receive the Eucharist. Oh, good So, point. so in other words, even if, yeah. like, even if I don't remember their name and I just ask them, hey, the fifteen first 15 times you come to the Eucharist, tell me your first name, you know, and then, the, you know, then it's true that there are some guests that come, like, especially to the outreach, there's mm-hmm. guests that will come and then I will say, like, when I remember their name the second or third time, you know, whether it's a guy that, you know, has a really weird mole on his forehead or something like that. <laughs> I remember like a, a really pretty girl is like that. You're like, hey, that's you know, you, right. you, you, it sticks a little better if there's something memorable. So
1: yeah, I just say it in my head, like not their name, right? But like when we, when people come up to receive communion, weird I'm mole, like, weird mole, weird mole. <laughs> no, no, it's more like it's more like this lady's a nipper. You know, like like watch your fingers. This uh, guy doesn't right. open his mouth all the way. <laughs> You gotta you yeah. gotta put it in the mail slot. Yeah. <laughs> this lady is a is a grabber. She doesn't put her hands out. She just grabs the yeah, eucharist yeah. or whatever. So, I should be invoking you know like a spirit of you know
0: just a love for my people. Well, it's but. practical and the names. I there, there's a guy at St. Vincent de Paul that every single time I give him the eucharist he goes thank you Father. <laughs> like after I give it to See, him like thank there's you. There's something kind of cool about that, but also a bit distracting. Yeah. So I guess once it becomes a habit. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, uh, my topic...
1: Is that sufficient enough banter?
0: I think so. Okay, I just... That's actually one of the reasons why I like going second, is we, there's so much more banter than the first one that we record, because yeah. we're just sitting down for the first time.
1: Well, I
0: mean... I, I like the banter. I just, I like... If I, like, say, tell somebody, hey, you should listen to this one. Yeah. I talked about this topic, but, yeah. And anyway, I wanted to go second this time, because I wanted to prepare more, and that didn't happen, so... Shh. But I did. I spent, well, I I I... I Pretty much as long as you did this time. I, I, did, oh. I did a ha- half an <laughs> hour. <laughs> I did a half an hour of jelly before you guys showed up to breakfast. Because I walked into Jelly without a topic in mind, and I almost went. And I apologize for not doing this sooner. But you guys, sometimes you guys, listeners, give such good topics, and we have a whole file of suggested topics. And I should have just gone there. But when someone asks for a topic, I really, you really do want to do it more justice than I had. But again, yesterday was Sunday. Sunday's our busiest day. Today's day off. Fourth of July. Early breakfast. So anyway, what I did was I walked into Jelly and I sat down at the bar half hour before you guys showed up, Father Nathan and companion brothers. And I just asked the barista, what do you what do you want to know as I think she's parents are Catholic. She fell away. Um, what, what do you want to know about the Catholic faith as, as a barista at, mm-hmm. at a restaurant? And she named three or four things. She named Catholic history, which she was intrigued by. The other thing was Stations of the Cross, and especially when people do it in Jerusalem. So that might be a good one to do. Like, it intrigued her, like, the the, the way that people do the Stations of the Cross in Jerusalem. And then, of course, tying that into how the Roman Church does that in parishes. Cool. Um, And then also she said the the preparation for death, because that's one thing that intrigued her was was how at at funerals— her experience of Catholic funerals, which is really beautiful, actually, her experience was, this person died, we will see them again, and you can go through the same process of a happy death with a hope of the resurrection. Hmm. And that, that kind of intrigued her, I think, as someone who lives in the world, is saying that, that funerals are, are are for hope, you know, which I is, is a beautiful way of kind of distancing ourselves from what funerals— can be that's this quote celebration of life and no. has nothing to do with death whatsoever just let's just puked in my mouth <laughs> let's just deny the sadness aspect mm-hmm. and just remember the good times which is which is not of course a true catholic funeral and then it's all but it's also not all about you know this person who could be in purgatory pray 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 which is of course the other thing that funerals should be doing but she had this kind of idea of she even used the word i think hope you know that's what a funeral is for it's for Realizing that we are no longer in control, we don 't know where the person is, but we have this aspect of hope that we can actually affect the the, the living out of this hope through our prayers yeah. and, you know and so so a funeral should be that that kind of mid ground between mourning, which needs to be there sadness, which needs to be there because we 've lost somebody. Um, you know, joy in what Christ has promised in the resurrection and kind of our awkward, confusing middle ground that we call hope, mm-hmm. you know, which is a gift from God too. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll touch on those. But the last thing she said, which I, which I'm doing this podcast on um, was, she says, why are there so many shepherds in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was this, it was a very interesting kind of, you know, halfway outsider's view of, when when you read the scriptures there's a lot of shepherds and so yeah. uh, we uh, that wasn't it we got into a conversation on shepherds and like halfway through this conversation is when I said you know what that's, that's what my topic's going to be so um, bam jelly Yeah, <laughs> exactly in, inspired by the world um so th- there there is of course a lot of shepherds in the scriptures Christ himself calls um himself the good shepherd and and uh and that that has a long old testament history about Why, you know, why Christ calls himself a shepherd and it's kind of his role of shepherd is a, has been awaited from the beginning. Do you know who the first shepherd in the scriptures were? Uh, I want to say Abel. That's it. It was Abel. It was Adam and Eve's younger son was Abel. Yeah. Um, He was a shepherd and and Cain, I believe, was a farmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. So Abel, right there again, in the very, very beginning, Abel was a shepherd. By the way, do you know what Abel's name means? I, I, like, I only I only realized this this morning. So he's
1: able to do something.
0: No, it's A B E L, which comes from, <laughs> <laughs> habel, which means breath. So uh-huh. it, it's it's not the same sense of breath as ruah is, like the spirit uh-huh. that is breath. But it, it's breath as in like just a short time. Like, like he only oh. lived a very short life, wow. so it's it's this kind of just a single breath of time before, of course, he was killed by his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. I mean, we 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 see these throughout the history of salvation. There's always this sense of of those called by God to be recognizable figures and leaders in the church mm-hmm. were always those who shepherded others. Um, this was a, an interesting reflection I had that I just thought of. Um. About when, when after the resurrection, when Jesus asks Peter, Do you love me? And then he makes him, of course, a shepherd, you know, yep. tend my sheep, et cetera. Yep. Um, there, there's a, it almost seems like if I was writing that, sometimes I I use that to, you know, to write homilies, like if I was writing the scriptures and if I was writing this story like it was fiction and I was trying to write something beautiful that kind of, how, how did we get where we are? Like like if I was, a, if I didn't believe in God and I said, Well, I'm going to write my own scriptures to kind of explain the the beauty of the world and I would had I wouldn't have Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? I would have said, Peter, do you love them? Yeah. And then if he said yes and then, okay, now shepherd them. But he doesn't. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I, I care for you. And then Jesus says, tend my sheep. In other words, you're you're shepherding them out of a love for me, not even a love for them, a love for me. there's something very deep and beautiful. What I preached on that was was about unity and communion. In other words, the, the the way that you love them is actually in me, through me, by me. So if you're united with me and they're united with me, then this is theosis all over again, right? Then, then we're united with each other. We have this unity, but the unity is directed towards me. So it's not like, okay, go get them, become in union with them, and then come to me when you're done with that. Mm-hmm. No, it's come to me first, become in union with me, draw them, encourage them to become in union with me, and then we'll be in union with each other. So yeah. it's this beautiful moment where Christ is, is saying the Old Testament, including the child of Adam and Eve— was a shepherd, and now Jesus himself calls himself a shepherd, and now he's asking the church going into the future to be shepherds. Yeah. You know, re- really a like like fishers of men, right, shepherds of men. It, it's an image of, of care, concern leading forth. Of course, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd because he's not a hired hand that runs off when the wolves come. He's the good shepherd, the one that dies for the sheep, mm-hmm. which is another interesting story because— if you follow through on this, this is kind of the absurdity of, of God in in a good way, a beautiful absurdity. If you follow through on that, it's like the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. And then what? <laughs> like, in other words, you can run away and abandon the sheep. Or if you're thinking of this practically, you could be killed by the wolf. And then you've kind of abandoned the sheep, right? I mean, that now you're dead. Who's going to care for them? That's exactly what Jesus says. Yeah, but you kill the wolf. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like,
1: I'll lay down my life and... Uh, I'll I'll put it on the line for you, right? But the image is like I'm not just going to sacrifice myself and then let the wolves tear you up,
0: right? It's like no, if, if I if I go down, I'm going down with him, right? Or I think that's the beauty of Christianity is we need to be confused by these things. We need to say we need to have the experience of saying that makes no sense because if you get killed. Then the wolf, then, then, if you don't take down the wolf while being killed, if you get killed, then we're abandoned anyway. That, that's kind of the human response. But then we need to say, well, of course, Jesus says, I'll be with you till the end of time. He, he gets, puts Peter as the vicar of Christ in his place to shepherd after him. Yeah. He dies, but then rises. I mean, all, all of these things, we, we should have certain questions when it comes to passages in the scripture. Yeah. And we should, we should not be overly pious. I think like, in other words, with a prodigal son, we need to say it is not fair. In other words, we need to stand in the place of the the older son and say it is not fair that he took half of – the inheritance of the father. It is not fair that he went off and spent it all on dissolute living. It is not fair that he came back, had a ring put on his finger, shoes on his feet, a cloak put on, and had the fatted calf killed from It is not fair. Yeah. It's it is not fair that that in the the parable of the hours that the those who came at the first hour got paid as much as the eleventh hour. We 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 tend to become all pious. Oh God can do whatever he wants and I'm just gonna accept that reality. Like no yeah. like we need to have the human response in order to be blown away and stand in awe of the divine response. But the the human response needs to come first. And I think in passages like this, where we see Jesus says, I'm not the hired hand. I'm not the one who's paid to shepherd the sheep. And therefore, when the wolf comes along, you're like, that's way beyond my pay grade. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to run off. They're going to get killed, but then I'll just go get another job. You know, that's not our Lord. Our Lord is, is one who is so invested that... Again, the, the insults we we had heard in the in the Byzantine lectionary this past Sunday. You know, Saint Paul says, um, quoting the Old Testament, um, you know, the insults bore to you. I've borne myself as if I was being insulted. You were insulted. Is as if I was insulted. This is the the role that Christ takes, and it's the same thing here. It's when when the sheep are attacked, the wolves rarely attack the shepherd. Of course, they attack the sheep, but it is I'm going to. Give my life, the sheep, as if I'm being attacked as well, and that is what the good shepherd does. Well, I just going back to the
1: point you made before. It's interesting. Jesus wasn't a shepherd. I mean, ostensibly, like he was a carpenter, right? Right, he wasn't you know, the son of the carpenter. So, yeah. So then, and then Peter wasn't a shepherd, right? He was a fisherman. Yeah. So then, like the fact that Jesus is saying, uh, like giving this new phrase, um, it has a whole new meaning. Yeah. You know. I was thinking about that when you said you were going to do shepherds. I was like, "What is a shepherd?" You know, and then I was like, "Oh, it's like a firefighter. Like firefighter, he oh, fights fires." Right. What is a shepherd? He herds sheep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, like we like to ascribe all of these different you know kind of images to him, whatever. Else. Yeah. He's herding sheep, right. either away from danger or towards green pasture. Right. Fending off enemies. Or like tending the wounded in his flock. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah,
0: you know. I mean, I think it is. I think I think this. Her name is Mary. I think Mary was correct. I mean, like we we don't often just reflect upon the things. Like we have kids do it. I mean, like catechists is a good shepherd. I mean, that there's these times where we kind of say when when we're talking to Jesus with children, we use shepherds. But I think nowadays, when we don't encounter shepherds anymore, it's more like we we like using shepherds because sheep are fluffy and snuggly and cute it's like that that's the image of christ it's not the really visceral you know dirty aspect of being i mean being a shepherd and there's you know one of the things and again this might be complete historical heresy but one of the, it was a couple of christmases ago and i was preaching on on the, on christmas of course and it it became when you, when you read the scriptures um you read if going between the two institution narratives, that and excuse me, not institution narratives, infancy narratives, yeah. um, you have between Matthew and Luke. Um, in, in one, of course, we have the, the the magi, the magicians, the the three kings, those who are those who are stargazers, right? Stargazers that they have the experience of of living the good life, and so they come, they find the baby laying in a feeding trough. And you know they've brought these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and and but there's still this sense of awe. You know, we, we portray that in our in our major scenes. There's this sense of awe with the shepherds. I mean, the the again, one gospel has the shepherds, one has the magi. Uh. With, with with the shepherds, you have the shepherds being called. They get called by the angels. It's this great exalted thing. When they go, they literally, I think in my mind, they would see what just looks like this. Looks like my wife giving birth to my kid. We're in a stable. The baby's laid in a feeding trough. I imagine that's exactly what they do with their children, right? The, the the their wife gave birth. Where are they going to lay their kid? They're going to lay their kid if you know in the feeding trough. That almost just makes sense. You know, it's almost like Mary and Joseph. You know, they they did what was normal. We see this as kind of this very dirty thing, which of course it was, but it was probably normal for the shepherds. So when they came, when they were called to see this Messiah, this king, they went and saw something that yeah. was just like them. Familiar, yeah. Yeah, it was familiar. So in they sta- they stood in awe like the wise men did, but it wasn't in awe of God's humility. It was they were standing in awe of their own exalted call. Like if a king can start... The exact same place I started. Yeah. If a king is going to be a child that looks just like my child, laying in a manger just like my child did, there's something incredibly exalting about that. And so, again, the kings were humbled. And of course, they were beautiful men. I mean, a beautiful calling to go be evangelizers in Persia. But there was this there's a sense, I, I hope that the heart of the shepherds just leapt because they saw something that they expected something extraordinary. They saw something ordinary, and they saw something that was based upon their own experience, and so I think that's why. That's the Eucharist, right there. Yep, exactly. It's great, exactly. And so, so there, there's this when when we when we humble ourselves, we we nowadays we think of shepherding as kind of this humble job. If if we humble ourselves, we're, we're going to be in the proper posture, or we're going to be the the proper. We're going to have the eyes of faith. We we now can see clearly, and I think that's what that both the kings the magi the 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 magicians and the the shepherds had was they saw Christ this human who was also god from two very different lived experiences one from being kings and magicians the other one from being shepherds and they both got something out of it but it's almost like you i i i envy more the shepherds because they were they said, this involves me. Mm. Like, like, this is not just a king who's going to be separate. This is a king who's going to be the shepherd of my soul. And, of course, they knew what shepherding was. And so th- there's this – There's I, w- I was hanging out with uh, my friend Ricky soldini uh, a couple weeks ago and Leah. And they were – we were fishing. And, and he was – Ricky was saying, you know, I think that – I wonder if God cares – you know, in a, in a special, unique way for fishermen and for carpenters, you know, because that that's who he dealt with, and shepherds would be the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're doing these ministries, there's a certain dignity to it. You know, there's a certain dignity to fishing because he called fishermen, etc. Um, I think there was something beautiful about that. But I, I, I mean, starting shepherding from Abel, going through all of the covenants, there were always shepherds. Wait, does God care what? In other words, God, God assists in the livelihood of. Oh, of, of does the, God care if we catch who, anything? Is that what are you saying uh not really i mean we 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 did catch it but i mean in a sense i mean it, it was kind of a, a a surface almost joking thing, but it was kind of like when we go out and fish, we should not just see this as some leisure time activity, we should see this as like Lord, help us to catch something Lord, Lord, you know, since you dealt with Shep, when <laughs> since you dealt with fishermen and you called fishermen, bless our fishing you mm-hmm. know it it's 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 surface but it's beautiful, it's pious and and beautiful, and I, I thought it was cool
1: I, I do it all the time, yeah. I usually beg God to help me catch a bigger fish yeah. than my brother. And I did. It just was a really ugly one. So it was still bigger, right? So was was your friend the barista's question, why are there so many shepherds in the scriptures or why are there so many like, why do you call a lot of people shepherds in the church today?
0: It, it had nothing to do with the church today, which I, which I think okay. is the next place to go. But it was that that was her experience of the Catholic Church. Hmm. What was, was whenever she hears scriptures, like when she's at Mass with her family, whenever she hears scriptures, there's almost always a reference to yeah. a shepherd. Ezekiel. Exactly. Yeah. I will shepherd on my people as well. And that, that's the reality is that God, at least twice in Genesis 49 and in Ezekiel 34, calls himself a shepherd. You know, and again, we, we, we know with parables, whenever it comes to an image like this, we have to have something real world to base it on. So when God calls himself, like like when Jesus called, said, you'll be fishing men instead of fishing rivers, like that, that only works because they knew how to fish for fish, you know? So I, I think it is now a days when we don't, most of us don't have a lived experience of a shepherd in our life to kind of see what that is. It's the same thing nowadays when God, when Jesus calls God, the father, Right. So many people have a horribly bad experience of fatherhood. That that they that you, you, they hear that and they're like, "Well, I don't want God to be father. You know, I don't. I don't like True. fatherhood. Yeah. I don't." And so there's in a sense of same thing with shepherd. I think it's important for us in the church to say, "You might not have an experience of shepherd." That's why I loved when he was here. Chappuis' email address: shepherd at archden. dot org. You know, it was this like like you you want to contact the bishop, and it's almost disarming. I mean, we we all know. You know, most bishops, since they're not pastors of parishes, they don't have this day to day interaction. I think most letters written to bishop or the bishops or this email or handwritten are usually negative, you know, and I, I think it's they're complaining about their priest. They're complaining about, you know, what the bishop's letter, whatever it is. And so they can say when you when you when you go to get send an email to Shapu, and it says, and you're, it's like shepherd at Archden. It's 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 disarming in that the, here is our, it's not the boss at Archden. You know, it's not the king at Archden. It, it's the shepherd, you know, yeah. shepherd. And I think there's something, should be disarmingly beautiful about that. And it is to say the leadership that comes. He, uh, actually, Shep, you gave a homily one time. I heard him on on the the shepherd's, you know, the, the bishop's um, crozier. Mm -hmm. The crozier is that the staff, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's the crozier, and he had, and he he was showing the two ends of it, right? The one end is a hook, and that's to actually draw the sheep closer. And the other end, of course, the base of it is to, to direct them, not further away from him, but to direct them in the direction they're going to go. It's like yeah. this uh-huh. one instrument with, with two different sides on it is really all the shepherd needs in order to guide his sheep in one certain way. Again, it started with Abel, where, where Abel's sacrifice of the, the fatty part of the sheep when he offered it to God was was acceptable. The the fatty part is also, of course, the the more um, the part of the the lamb or the sheep that produces more smoke. You know, so it's like it's almost as you you offer that part of the sheep and you can see more smoke rising to heaven. You know, the, almost more of the sacrifice being offered. Um, and and Abel was a good shepherd and he was killed most likely for being a good shepherd for having his sacrifice offered and and for um his behavior in that way for offering that what the best of what he had. Um, and then you go through, again, all the other shepherds. God himself calls himself a shepherd. Jesus himself very much calls himself a shepherd. And, and then he He sends, he says, the future church is also going to involve shepherding, especially through you, Peter, who, mm-hmm. because you love me, you can shepherd my people. You mm-hmm. can direct people to me because you love me. Mm-hmm. It's, of course, almost expected that, that he loves them as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, like, the term pastor mm-hmm. in Latin is shepherd. Yep. You know? uh pastor bonus good shepherd yeah um so even in our <clears throat> modern kind of canonical reality of parishes they're pretty much just like dividing the the land into individual plots yeah. that you can have shepherds to to sh- to herd the sheep that are in that place yeah. you know so um so yeah it's kind of the small business yeah
0: that is that is a scary thought. I imagine in in large archdioceses like this, where again, the archdiocese is split up into geographic yeah. plots. And so if you live in this area, you are a parishioner of this parish automatically, you know, yeah. um, we don't really do that anyway. We jump around all over the place, but, but it, it also for us who are pastors and you who are a new it's pastor, for us who are yeah. <laughs> now I can say that. Yeah.
1: yeah we can say that
0: <laughs> <laughs> pastor land. Um, so there, there is this sense of I'm responsible for every Catholic in I my geographic area, yep. not just those who darken the door of my church. I mean, yep. there, there's a, I think that's where you're uh, understanding the kind of the, the top edge of that shepherd's crook. That's a hook, like you know. I'm 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 here to draw to the parish mm-hmm. all of those who I am pastor of. You know, and I, I think it's and that's it, every human soul, every soul in your parish boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, which f- yours is actually bigger than mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's two states, Colorado <laughs> and Wyoming. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be standing. In judgment for quite a while, um, but but Sucka. there's this, <laughs> but that there is this very real sense. I think, and honestly, you know, you lay people, I think it is it is very important <laughs> to to understand you lay people <laughs> that when you register, <laughs> I didn't mean that in a bad way. Oh, uh, well, one of my my sister-in-law, beloved lay, <laughs> beloved brothers and sisters, brothers, sisters in Christ, state. Um, <laughs> you know, my sister-in-law, seska she uh-huh. she she read that Facebook post about like what quotes we want on uh-huh. the swag and she's like yours just has to say you Romans. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I know that can sound bad. But I do not mean for it to sound bad at all. Of course, but there there's this. So lay, lay brothers and sisters, beloved. Um, it does. I think it is important, and we don't hear this enough for you to un, to to consider attending the parish. That is, that you live within those geographic mm-hmm. boundaries. And, and to understand that this is a, a canonical, but also a spiritual reality. When, 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 the, the, the scripturally, you know, this happens very, in a very real way in the, the feeding of the 5,000 where, where, yeah. where he actually divides the people into groups of, I forget what the exact quote is, but hundreds and fifties, et yeah. And then, um, and then he sends his apostles out, you know, to start distributing the, what was foreshadowing the Eucharist, of course, the body of Christ in the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes, distributing two of these little sections, you know, of, of people. And it, it's a, it's a, it's an organized way of leading the people of God. There is a thing I found out, uh, a couple months ago, called a personal parish, which just means that that it's a church that has a, a, a mass um, yes. in their own context, but but you don't live within those boundaries and you mm-hmm. go there. And I can see how that would be necessary. And I even understand people that that say, for my sake or for the sake of my children, we have to go to a different parish. Yeah. Like my spiritual needs are not being met here; I have to go somewhere. Totally understandable. And, and and there are there are times that needs to happen, but that needs to be the exception.
1: I think Holy Ghost downtown is a personal parish is it? because, okay. I mean, all around it is just office buildings. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I, I think I don't know because um, I know that they they have that boundary, but then, or maybe that maybe the personal yeah. parish is actually Our Lady of Mount Carmel. That's probably what it is. Okay. Our Lady of Mount oh, Carmel right. would be a personal For parish, Saint Peter Parish. Yeah, because yeah. they, they're servicing the needs of the people who want to receive the mass in the extraordinary
0: form. Yeah. That's not Holy Ghost. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think it'd be a place like Saint, Saint Louis of Hungary that is not a personal parish; it's a mission. But but it is a, in other words, they're kind of. If you look at the reality of the community, it's on a college campus, and there's no there's no kids that live there. there there's no dorms on the campus, so it's pretty much, you know, people go there because they 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 want to go there. And when a pastor switch, you know, you got to endure or you know discern whatever you want to do with that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, mm. but it, it, it is a very real thing that I think, and I, I've shared this story before when, when I, I, I wasn't really happy as a priest. I mean, I, I, I was, I had this kind of underlying depression the first eight weeks I was a priest. It wasn't until I was made pastor. And I looked into the, the individual specific eyes of the people True. that I was going to be shepherding that all of a sudden I was like, this is now I understand what it means to be a shepherd. Like, like when, when, when. Like I, I'm loving Christ, but I'm supposed to be loving Christ if I put myself in the place of Peter. I'm supposed to be loving Christ by tending His sheep, and if I'm just kind of this priest for the world wandering around saying divine liturgy and talk to people I come across, that's great and is evangelization, and it, it, it's it's definitely an, an essential part of the priesthood. But there's a very real shepherding of very real souls that happen when you're a priest, when you're a parent, when you when you're assigned to to any to minister to actual souls. True. you know we we tap into the the scriptural reality and the promise of of what it means to be a shepherd. sometimes you leave the ninety nine to go in search of the one I mean all of these scriptural shepherding images that have to do with a shepherd's very real investment in those whom he's asked to lead and to tend, and then you know it's almost like Adam and Eve right they they were in a sense shepherds of the Garden of Eden, I mean they, they were asked to tend and to keep the Garden of Eden, you know that that's what shepherds are called to do you You lead. And have to be willing, after Christ's own example, have to be willing to die for those whom you're leading, right? What What, what is the, the greatest love is to lay down one's life for one's friend. You know, all this ties together, but the shepherd is just a a very lived, visceral reality of what it means to care for souls, to care for others so much that you want their good as much as you want your own, and you're willing to lay down your life for the sake of those whose salvation and whose good you want, in a sense, as much, if not even more, than mm. your own.
1: Somebody made a good point to me. They said, "You actually have one of the largest parishes, not in terms of land wise, but like number of people in your parish, because you have Mount Olivet Cemetery in your boundaries." Nice. And I was like, "That's true. Like, I need to make sure that those souls that are, you know, whose bodies are laid to rest there. Now, granted, I don't know if that's entirely." Uh, like correct right. you know but like yeah i should probably make sure that masses are being said for the sake of those souls yeah. you know because if i was if i was the pastor of a parish and right next door because a lot of parishes have that my my grandfather and grandmother are buried yeah. in the par- in the cemetery right next to they all st mary's yeah. and assumption yeah. you know that the pastor would have a responsibility for those people so say yeah. a mass for them, so
0: yeah cool I mean that that was something very real and I've mentioned this before too that that in the early church you you didn't I mean you you died at home you were laid out on the kitchen table all night mm-hmm. and then you were I mean especially in the Byzantine funerals the casket is open the entire funeral I mean you literally do not close the casket in a Byzantine funeral until they are being there until they are near the ground that they're going to lay in wow. and so it's this the the amount of the ability to have closure for someone who saw grandma or grandpa die in the home and then they're the ones who put the dirt back on the body. I mean that there's also that part of the Byzantine funeral, the entombment where the you don't, you know, you you put dirt you you lower the casket into the ground and actually put dirt on it as a symbol of we 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 are every part of the burial of this person. Yeah. You know. So yeah, and I, I think that's actually beautiful. You can actually ask for intercession as you're not necessarily shepherding the souls of those who are in the in the graveyard, but but you are. You can certainly ask for intercession for the geographical area where they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, once once we're once we in heaven, I mean we're we're kind of outside of space and time. So why not add, you know, add add. add you, you don't have only have time for the people of your family. You know that you, you're beyond that. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: Shepherd me, oh God. Amen. Father Michaels never heard those songs because he's Byzantine, but. Life teen it. Every, fun every funeral. Life teen it. Shepherd me, oh God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death into life. If you ever get kicked out of the priesthood, you got another career. Exactly. Yeah. That's comforting. <laughs> to the shout outs. <laughs> to shout outs. Go ahead. Fine. From Naomi Varezo to my friend Christina in Syracuse, New York. She just started listening and was initially thrown off by the video game banter, but said by the end the podcast rocked her world. Nice.
0: Video game banter. We're an acquired taste. You guys should give right. us a couple chances. All right. To my incredible, faithful, and aspiring friend Irene Teoli, we met as part of a Catholic community when I was doing my master's in Viking and Anglo Saxon <laughs> studies. Whoa in Nottingham from Rachel Sherlock in the forest I would not have guessed that was a dude biking in Anglo-Saxon studies I would not have guessed that's a chick excuse me I would have guessed that's a dude a woman
1: (laughs) 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 I don't I'm sorry uh, you can start correcting me how old am I? you should start correcting (laughs) me whenever I do stuff like this (laughs) okay I don't know a shout out to my kids, Michael, Catherine, John Paul, Felicity, Augustine, and Mac. A good Catholic name,
0: Mac. That's right. <laughs> Love that. From Judy in Minnesota. Nice. To my lovely and wonderful fiance, Olivia Uh Silof, I'm a fan of the banter. She is not. <laughs> Thank you. Also my best man, Dominic Uh Barcelau, <laughs> and my groomsman Chris Radlitz from Eddie Bardella. Special shout-out request, bum-bum-bum,
1: to Father Stephen Akers on his 32nd birthday and his first-year anniversary of his ordination from Michelle and Lucia in Phoenix, which I'm pretty sure I forgot his birthday and his (laughs) ordination anniversary. You don't have to say that. What a bonehead. No, he's one of my my closest friends. Stakers, I love you, man. Put on the lion
0: suit and... Listen to some Sufyan you know, for me. <laughs> nice. To my friend Ryan Farrell and his new fiance Ali Castles. The day after their engagement I received a call from the Bishop of Arlington accepting me to seminary this fall at St. Charles Borromeo in Philadelphia from Mike Lewis speaking of Chapu. Say say hello so, hi for us. So uh,
1: so he's giving a shout out to his friend and his fiance and then tagging in and I got or, uh, accepted to seminary. Maybe
0: this is maybe this is them finding
1: out way to go oh sweet a shout out to our friend Father Matt Monig. he listens to you guys quite a lot and does plenty of work with training focus missionaries in the summer from Martha Fitz I know Martha Fitz Martha Fitz is awesome do I know Matt Monig? wait is he the Catholic leadership guy
0: my siblings probably know
1: him. Father Matt what's up we
0: done yeah Father Matt <laughs> yes we, we can be done I, I got one more though um uh, Mike Anderson thank you Mike uh, contacted me on Facebook and sent me uh, Theology of the Icon by Leonid Uspinsky. I have not thanked you yet I'm going to thank you on Facebook before you get the shout out but um, thanks for thinking of me he, he found this book and then asked if I needed it and I already have it so we are putting it uh, in the parish library at Holy Protection great so yeah
1: well played alright there we go cool. Father Michael Pastor
0: Father Nathan Pastor <laughs> Agreed <laughs> Agreed to our parishes, souls. to make, our to make our, our shepherding easy, please. We, that's right. We get kind of lazy and disgruntled. There's a
1: funny, so. there's a funny intercession in the Roman uh, breviary where it's like, "Give the pastors like a loving heart," and then the second line is, "Give the pastors an obedient flock."
0: <laughs> you know, it's like the
1: two of them like yelling at each other. So. so yeah, to our parishes, Saint Joan of Arc and Holy Protection of the Mother of God. God bless you. Um, Catholic Stuff Podcast
0: at gmail.com like us on Facebook make your life easy Lighters. make it easy to die for you to live down our life <coughs> love you I need to push the button I want to push the button